as you're standing as you're standing would you just turn that to the Lord would you do that and just give him praise as you clap your hands to him can you hear me all right good thank you Lord thank you for your presence today thank you for what you will do in our midst today we bless your name I want to tell you so bad to turn and hug your neighbor you know that's kind of a habit of mine we'll be good so give him give him some bones okay yeah it's, it's yeah those of you that are joining us online I want to I want to thank you for joining us online may God bless you today may the Lord minister to you today and this is our time for communion so those of you that are at home if you have some fruit of the vine and some bread available for your family we're going to have communion together and uh, we we thank God for you and what God will do let's pray lifting our hands to the Lord because there is actually no greater no greater act to perform in the body of Christ that does more benefit to us, to you, to me than any other act than partaking of the Lord's table. And I want your hands before the Lord, I want your hands to be worthy of handling Christ. Not just these elements, each other. And may the Lord bless you May the Lord cleanse you. May your hands and the work of your hands please the Lord God. May the Lord show you exactly where he wants to bring you increase and give you courage that the work of your hands may bring that increase. Father, I thank you today we give you glory. We give you all the praise. It belongs to you, Heavenly Father, and you alone. It is your throne that we appeal to today. We thank you, Father, for, for justifying every person. Let there be no condemnation over anyone. And may we go forth in the blessing you have given in Jesus Christ. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. But we, we take those hands and praise heaven one more time. Just clap your hands like your hands are on fire. Amen. 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 Hey, did you know the angels clap? Did you know that they praise God 24-7? They bless him. They pray. They can't help it. He's so awesome. Praise your name, Father. And amen. And uh, I, I wanted you to hold your breath and hold your breath for, for, for 15 seconds. Hold your breath and take your mask down so you can see each other's whole face. You know, I'm just defying this whole thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm just defying it. But all right, I'll be good. You may be seated. I walk in the store, they think I'm a bandit. Now everybody's a bandit. That's all right. He's going to vindicate us all. Amen. The first time the Lord did this with his disciples had to be shocking to them because they had gone through this ritual so many times. For three years, 
as he walked with his disciples and, and opened to them who he was, what his mission was, and who they were. Every time they met together in a home, in a room, which the Lord had, he had designated this room, when they met there every time, as is Jewish tradition, always bread and wine. It, it was a way of life. But this time, when they met, very, very close, very, very close to quit pinching that baby. I'm about to you know, don't, don't let it mess with you, man. <laughs> Somebody was talking to me. Uh, I was talking to someone on the phone this weekend, and, I, and I, I told him, I said, I grew up in church, literally. My mama had me and then put me under the pew. And uh, she was a pianist, so the piano was over there. And she, all of us were sitting on this front row, and, you know, all, five boys, two girls. We sitting on <laughs> but when we were babies, she, she just put us under the pew. There was no children's ministry. So literally, I grew up under the pew. This time when the Lord met with his 12, something was different, and they did not fully understand everything that was different, but they knew something was different. In fact, what I'm going to read for you in just a moment, and if you want to find it in your, on your phones, or in your Bibles, Luke 22. Go to Luke chapter 22, verse 14. This time when they met, it was different. It puts me in mind of our meetings over the last several weeks when every time we've gathered together and we've been meeting every the first two Sundays out of each month. And, and when we meet together, at least for me, it feels different some of you received a call a few days ago about being here today and there's a good there's good reason because as we perform and as we partake of what the Lord had them partake of today may that difference become clear in your mind this time when they met as many times as they had met and had bread and wine, as is customary, it's, it's simple hospitality. Carol and I visited Jerusalem and, and uh, we were able to partake of the, we would, you would call it, I would call it flatbread. Some of you would call it pita. It's similar to that. It's got seasons, it's got hyssop seasonings on the, it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, we, we, we've seen that. This is customary. Actually, if you're, if you're over 50 years old in this building today, you might remember as a child that it was customary if you had guests in your home. Not necessarily so today, still is in my home. If you come and visit a home, immediately someone will offer you something to drink and something to eat. That was just what you did. Uh, sometimes I feel like that's been lost. It was just a part of good hospitality. And when they all came in the door, the first thing they did, having walked in the dusty streets of Jerusalem, is they had a basin of water and, uh, and, and towels. 
And the first thing you'd do when you came in home in Jerusalem is you would slip out of your sandals. And there was a stool there. You would sit and the person in, uh, in charge of hospitality in the home, they would perform a courtesy of washing your feet. It was just what you did. This time when they came and this time after their feet were washed and the place was set where they were to have communication with each other, fellowship with each other, I've rehearsed this many times. It sort of looked like a, a wagon wheel with spokes. In the middle of, of the circle was this what we now call a lazy Susan, which is a table on top of a table which turns. So you don't have to say, pass me the... How many of you have ever said that, pass me the chicken? When it got to you, there was none. Amen. They, they would just turn, you know. Have you ever had a tug of war on the lazy Susan? You know, never mind. And so they, they, would, they, would, they would pass bread and want to eat. It's not, it wasn't a long table like this, horizontal. It was a round one. And everyone had their place around that table. This time was different. And while the setup was the same, the, 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 the uh, tradition was carried out. Jesus was going to say something over this meal that would transform it forever, that would impact their thinking for the rest of their lives. So much so, until we today, more than 2,000 years later, are still impacted over the words Jesus spoke over that meal. Read it with me in Luke 14. When the hour had come. Did I say Luke 14? 14 verse. Luke 22 verse 14. If you got that at home, I hope you got that. Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour had come, forgive me, but this phrase is used several times in the scripture. It's very significant. When the hour had come is a designated time in history. It marks something that will bring change forever. When the time had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have earnestly. He would say, I have so, can you give me some colloquialism? Give me some present vernacular. I have so Say it again. Eagerly, give me another one. Desperately, passionately. Put something in the chat for me. Put something in the chat that, that sort of is, a, is a, a, a synonym for the word eagerly. Anybody? Deep desire. That's what it, it, it expresses a deep desire. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never, listen to this, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup, 
and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. How powerful. For I say to you, listen at this phrase, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, notice he takes the bread first. When he had taken bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them. Saying, here's what he said. He was speaking over the bread. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And at the same way, and the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. When Jesus speaks these words, and for those of you who understand the scripture, those of you who understand this principle, when God wants to change something, he speaks to it. When God wants to shift something, he will speak to it. When God wants to correct something, he will speak to it. Excuse me. When God wants to create something, he speaks to it. You do well to hear the words that God speaks over anything he's speaking over. Because whatever he speaks over, whatever he says, that thing shall be. When, so the Lord gathers them. They are at the table. The bread, the wine is there. But this time it's different. I'm sure they don't know exactly how or why, but they know it's different because they've never heard Jesus say this. I so desperately, I have wanted to eat this with you. He's talking like a man who's about to finish a job or something's coming. And they need to know what's coming and they need to understand what's coming. I'm convinced he said it this way so that after what he was pronouncing took place and they look back, they would understand, oh my God, that's what he meant. I want to do this so bad. I want to eat this with you so bad. I've desired this. Then he turns around and says, you know what? Uh, from now, I won't, I won't eat this. I won't drink this with you anymore until my kingdom is fully come. So you know it had to be important. I say it to you this way because when he says, I'm, I won't eat this until the kingdom of God comes, write it down somewhere. I want, you might want to, maybe you can put it in your phone. But what Jesus is doing is he's resetting time for them. From this point on, nothing will be the same. He says, in the first time he mentions it, he says, before I suffer. 
Now you can read the scripture and several times Jesus would tell them about, you know, the son of man must be coming and be put in the hands of ruthless men and mistreated by them and die. But you know what? Things were going so well between them and Jesus, all that he was doing, that they did not want to hear that. It's kind of like believers today that don't want to hear the beginning of the end of days. It's like believers who, who heard who heard the possibility, please hear me, and all you online hear me, who heard about the possibility of an election being stolen. I had believers talk to me and said, nah, 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 that ain't, that ain't true. It ain't no evidence of that. You have not read enough. Why don't they want, why wouldn't people want to accept that? Because if it's true, that means something has shifted and changed all over this nation. And from here on out, it will not be the same. Something has radically shifted. Now, unfortunately, when we walk with the Lord, you know, and things are going well, we don't want things to change. We, I feel like that movie, that movie, uh, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Don't you bring me no bad news. You remember that song? Now, a lot of believers, they don't want bad news. Because things are so, going so well, things have just turned around. I know COVID's been here, but, uh, you know, I'm still making money, and, and, and I found out more ways to make money, and, uh, and, and, and I can pay my bills, and I, 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 got, I got a Tesla that I'm looking at to buy. Come on, clap your hands anyway. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and things are going really, really good, you know. So don't tell me, don't talk to me about no travesty. Don't talk to me about no suffering. Don't talk to me about things changing. A lot of the body of Christ is unwilling to hear that we, our time in the, in the USA has shifted. I promise you from this year out, things will never be the same. Some of you all have already got that because your life has been radically changed by this plan, I mean pandemic. And we know that if a media is able to tell us lies and we believe it, if the source of our information is a, is a media across the nation that reports everything other than the full truth, we know something have happened and something got to be did. It would take you courage to be able to be willing to open your ears and eyes to see that nothing is the same. And some of the things that we have depended on for truth are not good sources. And here they are sitting in the middle of truth, who is Christ. He is the way, come on, the truth and the life. Sitting in the middle of him, and he says to them, I wanted to eat this with you like something that was coming. I wanted so badly to eat this with you, this Passover meal, before I suffer. And here we are. Can you imagine them suffer? 
before you suffer? Jesus, we've seen you raise the dead. Jesus, we've seen you heal the sick. Jesus, we've seen justice come for those who were not able. Lord, we've seen men and women forgiven. Lord, we've, we've seen so many incredible things you've done. You're talking about suffering. I, I, I don't believe he blinked. From this point on, everything will be different. So the words I'm speaking are bringing change. So he said, bring the bread. He, he took the bread and he broke the bread. He, he, he took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. The bread. He spoke over it. This bread is my body. This is the Lord God. This is truth itself speaking on the bread. This bread is my body, which is broken. Speaking of the suffering that he was about to go through because you can't get blood until you break the body. And he speaks over it and he says, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember, 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 remember these words I'm saying to you today. Remember me. So he prophesies, actually, that they're going to do it again. And <laughs> they will, this will occur again and again whenever you do Remember me. But as for me, I got to go suffer. I'm speaking this way to you today because I, I want to announce to you, for those of you who have not understood it, God's reset has already come. In 2019, November and December of 2019, God put the word reset in my heart. I didn't understand it fully. I had read, I had read a book about the gospel uh, in November of, uh, of, of uh, 2019. And when I got through reading the book, I didn't worry about it, except when it was time, you know, they started asking, what's going to be the word for 2020? And the word comes up out of my spirit, reset, reset, Lord, what is that? Reset. I had no idea this word was already being used around the world concerning the systems of the world. It was already being used. Time Magazine had, had, had from that time, uh, actually published on the front cover, The Great Reset. Look it up, fact checkers. The World Economic Summit used the same word, reset the global economy. Look at the neighbor left and right, your friend, your fellow brother and sister, and look at, you, look at them and say, things will never be the same. When you reset something, it means to set differently. Set back to zero. It means to put back in place like you lose a diamond or from a setting, you have to reset it. The breakers flip, uh, the breakers cut off because of whatever overload or whatever, you have to go and, come on, Reset the breaker. 
It means to make changes so that a machine will work again or will work in a different way or like recalibrate something or will work the way it's supposed to work. This is what God is doing in the body of Christ, among you, among us. For most of us, our gathering face-to-face has been quite enough. And some of you are so good because at least three out of four Sundays, you would do that. So, you would be considered a Bible-going, church-attending Christian. Then COVID comes. And now it's Bedside Baptist. You pull out your computer in the bed with your pajamas on, your coffee on the side of the bed. Like, I'm, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I don't know about going back shooting. This is too good. And it's cold too. Lord, have mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, everything has changed. Everything has changed. God is resetting everything. Causing us to remember who we are to each other, what we mean to each other, how important it is for us to be connected and the work that God has called us to do. But we can't do it unless we hear the words that Jesus said. Before I suffer, I want to, I want to take this with you because I won't do this again. Talk about a reset until my kingdom is come. And so now believers in, believers in Christ, we now face this monumental change among us, the way we do things. And change will always test you. Change will reveal how effective what you did was or wasn't. Change will tax you. Change will make you reevaluate your life. How many of you, raise your hand if you can, your lifestyle has changed since COVID. Would you just look around? Would you, would you do that? It's amazing. When he says, when he says, um, he said, uh, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom comes. It means to seek when the it means to seek under the kingly protection and provision and guidance of God. I want your protection, your provision and your guidance in my life. I don't want to be anxious about secondary matters. I know that he'll provide my food and my clothing. The kingdom is his present, the kingdom of God is God's present rulership in your life. When Jesus was asked about his kingdom, he said the kingdom of God is within you. Don't look here, there, no, look within. It is the place where God rules. A kingdom is the territory over which he resides. And wherever he resides, everything he desires, it happens. 
I want you to evaluate yourself this morning before we partake of these elements. Is, has the kingdom of God fully come in your life? Has his rulership, his kingliness, I, I learned a new word yesterday listening to some of the saints pray online. The word was dopeness. Has his dopeness come into you? Are you dope to God? Has his dopeness come into your life? Does God think, they, them, dope, them people there, they dope. I get off on those people right there because they do my will. They do stuff the way I want it done. They love each other the way I want them to love each other. They stay married. They don't even get divorced. Lord, have mercy. Clap your hands if you understand what I just said. They love them. They love their parents. They, they, they love their children. Until my kingdom has fully come, I will not do this with you like this until then. And of course, we all know about the marriage supper of the Lamb. But when he said, until my kingdom comes, we need to ask ourselves, is his kingdom come into our own personal lives? I want you to bow your heads and pray with me and say this out loud. Father God, come and reign in my life. Banish all alien alliances. Hold sway in my heart. Give me into the paths of righteousness. Guide me in those paths for your name's sake. See, this is this is um, this attitude is what Jesus was talking about when he's at this table with them. I want my kingdom to fully come. They didn't get it all, but they did afterwards because after he was crucified, in fact, while he was being crucified, it was blowing their minds. Why would, the, why would it blow their minds? Because they knew what kind of power he had. You know, when they came, when the soldiers came to get Jesus, to confiscate him, the first set of soldiers, they said, we're looking for Jesus. And the Lord just stood up and he said, I am he. And his word, blam, knocked him down. Am I right, Brown? Isn't that right? Crawford, is that right? Is that in the scripture? There he is over there. His words spoken out of his mouth just slayed them. Can you imagine? You come with all your armor and you're coming to get the king of kings. You don't know he's the king of kings. You're coming to get this, this, this radical teacher. You're going to take him in custody. And he says, where's Jesus? Because he looked like everybody else, so they didn't know who he was. Are y'all breathing? He didn't walk on with a halo over his head. He looked like everybody else. So they, where, where, where? He said, he, he stepped, he said, I am he. And his words were so heavy. <laughs> and they're on the ground. Can you imagine they're on the ground? And they're thinking, oh, what happened? And they have to get up. <laughs> that happened a little bit after he told them what he's saying right now. This meal that we eat now commemorates a reset in your life. And before you eat it, 
We must remember the words of Paul when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Those of you that need to look at this, please look at it in your time of devotion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives further definition and understanding of the meal we eat here today, which has been a tradition of the church, a sacrament of the church for more than 2,000 years. It's partially what makes us the church. The Apostle Paul said, if you're going to eat this meal, then don't let tradition spoil it. At that time, the Corinthians, they started having, making a party. Can you imagine coming to communion? Party! Everybody, party! <laughs> they baked bread, wine. Y'all get the picture? The Corinthians had diminished this meal to a party. And the Apostle Paul begins to bring correction to this. Don't forget, Jesus had this meal in light of his suffering for you. So don't take this meal lightly. And when you do, make sure you have the right attitude because when you don't take this meal rightly, many are weak. Three things Paul names in the 11th chapter of Corinthians. Many are weak, many are sick, and many have passed on. But let a man examine himself that he might receive this meal in a worthy manner. What is a worthy manner? Well, first of all, you don't come to this meal like, you know, I got it together. You don't come to this meal bragging about what you have accomplished. You don't come, you don't, by the way, your economic status to God does not weigh very heavily with God. Though he's concerned about your economic status, you can't use that for clout with God. By the way, any, any time we attempt to make our money, our value of our worth is deplorable to God because there's no amount of gold in the world or silver or platinum or any precious thing. No amount of it can, can buy your soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give? No, it's too costly. You're too valuable. There's no amount of any of this world's good that would outweigh one soul that's sitting in this building today. You're too precious for that. The only thing that could tip the balances of God's justice was his blood. So he takes the bread and he breaks the bread and he blesses the bread and he takes the cup and he blesses the cup. He said, this, this cup is my blood poured out for the, new, for the new relationship, new covenant that is going to be established between you and God the Father. It is that cup that that, that, cup, that bread in that cup which was the full price. In other words, the suffering I'm about to go through is payment enough. So don't be proud and act like your sin is so bad that God won't receive you. Remember
remember that no matter how bad it's been, how deep it's been, and you need the Holy Spirit to bring conviction over your heart, to remember the things that are displeasing to God, to repent from them and to turn and to denounce them and receive the mercy and the grace of God. I want you to bow your heads while you sit there. God's resetting your mind, your thinking. In order for him, in order for him to accept you, which he's wanted to so badly, he knew that he couldn't accept you with any merit of your own. So what he did is he spent the most precious gift of all existence, the life of his son, the blood. You know, life is in the blood and blood speaks. And when Jesus pours out his blood and when they ram that spear in his heart and it, his chest burst open with blood and water coming to the ground, it was the price for you. And you don't earn it and you never will be able to earn it. So don't be tripping on God acting like you are somehow okay. No, the truth is, without that blood, you're not okay. Not only are you not okay, you are completely lost. Unfortunately, very few people talk about hell these days. It's not popular to talk about hell, but it is real. And it was never meant for you. but it is preserved for those who do not receive the mercy of God. Eternity's punishment is so heavy because God's remedy is so costly. If you reject God's, if you reject God's payment for your sin, then you accept God's punishment. And here's what's pitiful about that. You don't have I just want to be clear with you today that God's forgiveness is absolute and complete but not without humility and not without his grace and not without you throwing yourself on the mercy of God. I heard a testimony this past week and, and more and more of these occurrences are going forth across the nation. It was, an, it was a young man, it was an African-American young man. He was tears down his eyes testifying he had died and gone to the throne of God. And he was, he was, he was hood. And he was talking about what he saw. You could tell this man, this guy's not playing. He's, he talked about the, 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 how, how incredibly, it was so beautiful, you couldn't hardly look at it. And it was so beautiful, you couldn't help but look at it. He talked about, he talked about the judgment, and he talked about the voices that were banning people to eternal punishment. And he said, and the fear was so great that he said everything in him trembled. People who, who, who fool around talking about, well, I, I, you, you know, I don't want to go to heaven because I ain't got nothing going on there. I want to go to hell. That's where everything happening. My friend, somebody has lied to you. And if you think that's true, is anybody here ever, ever put your hand on a hot stove? 
Excuse me, has anybody here ever been burnt by hot water? Has anyone ever been scalded? For those of you back in the day, have you, have your head, has your head ever touched a hot cone, pressing cone? I, how, how do you know, Bishop? Because I used to have long hair. And, I, and, and, and back in the 60s, so I'd take the pressing comb, put it on the stove, on a flaming stove, heat up the pressing comb. Don't make it, if it turns red, don't put that in your hair because your hair's gone, your hair's gone. But, you, but you, you get that hot, you stick that comb on your head and you real slowly, you had to put grease, put, put grease in your hair first. And then, 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 then you, you, you hold it, you just pull it out and you just pull that, it just cause that natural just to stand up. When you move it, be moving like that. <laughs> I had the natural and the sideburns. Yes, I did. It's a family affair. Oh, it was sly in the family stone. But if you ever touch that comb to your scalp, people who, I used to remember mom used to go to the hairdresser and you could see the hairdressers with, with marks on their hand Look at you and say, you do not want to go to hell. You know what I hate about a burn so bad? A burn don't just stop hurting. It just lingers. <laughs> Can you imagine, I don't even want to imagine, continual torment what I'm talking about now was the normal preaching of the 50s and the 60s. It stopped during the 70s. You almost didn't hear it at all in the 80s. The reason why the punishment is so horrible is because the provision is so great. With your heads bowed today, let God reset your life the way he desires. Let your life begin to function the way he desires. Don't resist God. Agree with God. Rethink how important the body of Christ is to you according to his word. Rethink your mission from God. Reconsider your purpose in the Lord. I promise you the first time they had this called the Lord's Supper, first time they had it after the crucifixion, I promise you it was something else. Because everything he said made so much sense. They were, oh my God. With your heads bowed, dealing with your own heart, your own life, because everyone has to do that. Nobody can do this for you. The Holy Spirit who is over you even now knows how to bring up before you the things that need to be forgiven the things that you need to change the new pathway you need to walk in he revealed to you the, 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 the lifestyle change that he desires from you God's kingdom is an indication that Satan has one also 
And his kingdom rules and reigns, God's kingdom. God's kingdom rules and reigns over all. May his kingdom rule and reign over your heart. Paul said, when, this, when you have this meal, wait on each other to get the hearts right with the Lord. Because sometimes your attitude, sometimes your attitude is just not right. Sometimes it's not right. Sometimes you hold stuff in your heart against people. Do you understand that before Christ, before his sacrifice, you, you, you can't hold things in your heart against anybody because everything that God had against you, he paid for in himself. It means that, that, that offenses that you hold in your heart towards each other, and usually those offenses get bigger the closer the people are to you. You justify yourself. She shouldn't have. He oughtn't have. If he wouldn't have. And the rest of it. And, and before God, who so freely forgives you, no wonder he said, pray, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, as holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our, come on, trespasses, our sins as we forgive those who or have sinned against us. And lead us not, come on saints, into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. Lift your hands as, you, as your heads a posture toward God and why don't you just pray that kind of prayer about yourself refusing to walk out of this building with the same mindset asking the Lord to forgive you don't worry Holy Spirit he'll, he'll bring it before you before you take this meal that commemorates his suffering his death and his resurrection. I'm giving you a moment to pray right there where you are. To talk to God, to clear your heart. To ask the Lord. In the same way that his words bring change, your words bring change. When those prayers are prayed according to his word. That God speaks over you is so real. Let your words agree with what God has spoken over you. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for every provision that has been provided in the cup and in the bread. I thank you, Father. I thank you for things that we refuse to believe you could do. We, we put away that stubborn unbelief and pride and we accept faith that what you say is real and right and true we, we believe that the change that must come will come we believe that the disease that, that has come will be healed and be gone we believe that the animosity will dissolve in the name of Jesus we believe Father that we will be one even as you declared us to be. I thank you, Heavenly Father, 
Would you, would you equip us? Would you fill us so that we might fulfill your will? We thank you for that. We praise you for that. In that name that is above every name. 